Hello everyone, welcome to the first Big Footy Cricket Podcast of 2013. Tonight we've got Tors, Cookson and myself, Pete Tizzle, and we'll be talking all things Australian cricket, and we'll be kicking off right after the conclusion of the world's most cliched introduction music. Yeah, I'd probably go for the fourth one first. I think Dean McKay get the hat trick there. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> that was the obvious thing, yeah. That's close. That's very close. And given. Yeah, I don't think Kevin Peterson's going to review. He had just a cursory look at Carberry there. Edge done, gone. This was very full and wide. Maybe Trot wasn't expecting that line of attack, but for whatever reason, he's gone at it hard. Edged and gone. Hat-trick. I think the, the frustrating thing was that somehow Mackay got a hat-trick early in the game, removed Peterson, Trot and Root, and somehow we ended up still losing the game. Yeah, we lost in the middle overs with Butler. Butler and Morgan getting all 50s. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of Butler? I mean, he seems like a slogger, but he's. do you think he's just going through a rich vein of form, or is he, do you actually rate him at all? Well, how long has he been in the side? So- like he's been around for a while. He's not particularly old, but Wyatt Pryor is a noted, like, well, I mean, in the test match, right? he's a slogger out of their, out of their line-up. So why is he not playing one day? Asked the same it's, question about us with Haddon and Wade. I think it's because they were resting like five of their players because there's no Swan, no Anderson. He was just part of that group. Pryor's got to be getting on. I mean, he's. I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but he'd have to be 30 plus. He is over 30, yeah. Yeah, and Butler would obviously be in the age group where they're sort of, you know, trying to raise him for the future. Butler's 23. I I think. When you compare the young keepers in the series, I mean, the Chocolates go to Butler in every single regard. I think Wade was just terrible. I mean, there's not really any other word for it. Yeah, he didn't. I, I'm a, I mean, he had a lack, he's had a lack of batting all summer, and it just doesn't help with the first 30 I get and stuff, then not batting in the third, so just needs to go and get some form. He made 30-odd in that the second to last one day and I didn't see him bat until after I didn't sort of start watching until after he'd gotten out but um, on the Crick Info commentary they seemed quite scathing and caught, you know, referring to all of his shots as fairly agricultural and and pretty poorly executed even if they were even if he was getting boundaries and the way he got out was pretty pretty much along that same vein of coming down the track and just wild slog head up in the air and just Salute a backward point. It was, um, I mean, it was to Treadwell as well, and Treadwell's been, his bowls are pretty rubbish. I mean, I, I think the only word that me and my mates could describe him as is just gentle. That kind of thing can work in one day, but, um, yeah, to get out charging him is just very poor for I'm someone. Glad, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad there's finally been a series where 
Treadwell has gone on the journey because every time I've seen him, he's been economical and he just does nothing with it. He just sort of ambles up, rolls his arm over, goes straight every time, and they just pay too much respect. But finally, they sort of went after him and and it worked well because they use him as that defensive bowler from one end and and use the expen- uh, inexperienced quick bowlers from from the other end and gives them a better chance. But he's never going to turn one. So like- from way outside off and take leg or anything. He's just going to... He's going to get people caught at short cover or short wicket or eventually test their patience and have them caught on the boundary. Or he'll get one to go straight and get an LP. Oh, yes, Treadwell. Just a recovery in his figures late on in the day. He picked up Johnson. Now he's picked up Mackay. He's ended up with three for 53 from his allocation of 8.2 over. So Australia, their innings is done. With us being able to attack him in this series, sort of put more pressure onto the likes of Stokes. It was pretty expensive. He took wickets in the last match, but... Um, Stokes? Yeah, Stokes, sorry. I was going to say Wokes, and I knew that wasn't right. Um, yeah, um, I was referring... Because, um, yeah, he got 5 to 61, and then... But, yeah, it's sort of the same thing. Like, they'll both force the batsmen to make mistakes because they bowl pretty economical, and then the batsman will try to get, you know, go for the rubbish or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think the last game went for, like, six runs and over. It's just... Well, it's probably similar to how Mitchell Johnson bowls sometimes. He just gets wicked somehow. Yeah. Although, I think Johnson genuinely... He bowled well this series. He just... He'll pull the wicked ball out of his ass sometimes. It will just be like, you know, um, he'll be bowling crap and then... It's sort of like everyone's it's classic Mitchell Johnson when it's like wide, wide, four, wicket kind of thing. Do you think um, Wokes, Chris Wokes, as you referred to him before, accidentally, <laughs> um, do you think his poor performance in the, in the test match sort of hampered him getting into the one-day team? Because Stokes sort of fills that similar role, sort of lower order, a um, bit better than a tail, well, better than a tail ender, sort of medium fast bowlers. I mean, Wokes was preferred. He played those games in Australia and actually did pretty well on the quicker tracks. Um, but he's sort of been pushed aside for the moment. Yeah, I I would definitely um, say that. I think that's a very good call because he was obviously ahead in the pecking order. If you look at English cricket, you know, they're very into um, getting guys into the team and so on. And I think he was disappointing. He was just very vanilla. And, yeah, I, I think you're right in that. Did hurt his chances, and Stokes got the chance. Bold in. What a little ripper. Going to, add to an Australian perspective in, on the spin topic, with Ahmed coming back into the side, and I think it was always going to happen, um, with them rotating the quicks, that he was going to come back in when there was a pitch that, it was anything but a green top. Um, with this, uh, was it like 85 games in India, um, will he be persisted with? Because he really did nothing. He he probably took, off the top of my head, two wickets maybe out of three games, and he was going at seven plus and over consistently. And they they just they just took to him from the start, and he, he never really settled with. Well, then again, I don't think he bowled particularly badly. Uh, I mean, he probably bowled. He wasn't bowling rank half trackers or huge full tosses, but you know. he wasn't bowling amazing drifting, um, you know, turning from leg to off kind of things either. 
It was just solid leg spin bowling. Uh, but you're right. It, uh, his figures probably don't reflect the quality of his bowling, but that's not to say that the quality of his bowling was extremely high. Yeah, and it's also probably just... Well, the way I see it is we really probably didn't care about his performance as such. It was just, let's just give him a go, see what happens. And, like, I probably think the first-class games that he'll play will be far more important if he gets into the Ashes than these one days. He's probably just getting him into the squad and just banning him in pretty much like what you do with a young so NFL you, player. So you still think he's a chance for the Ashes if he performs early on in the domestic scene? Yeah, pretty much. I think if he does the job and if Lyon, well, doesn't really, he'll probably get a look in because he's oh. our second best spinner. So. Yeah, well, I think, I think Lyon could take 10 wickets and if they want to play Ahmed, they'll just drop Lyon anyway. But I think I think Lyon would have to have a real shocker in the first test to give Ahmed a chance because... Yeah, I mean, he was unfairly dropped in the first test of this this Ashes, and I don't think they'll make the same mistake again. Because I mean, yeah, he, he showed what he he showed what he could do. He was probably he was always going to be a better pick than than Agar, which was just a bit of a miracle miracle selection. Yeah, you, you can't say that it didn't pay off, but it wasn't the right decision, regardless of what happened. Um, because I I actually thought Lyon looked like a new man when he came back. He was not just bowling 90Ks an hour, turning around, rushing back. He was actually, you know, he has changed his action a little bit and was throwing it up, and he actually looked quite good. I mean, like, he could be our swan if we stick with him for another five years and actually just keep playing him. He's never yeah. really gotten back to that, um, the big bash highlights, where he was bowling the loopiest off-spin as you've ever seen and just taking wickets at will. And oh, I mean, it's crazy these days for anyone to bowl the sort of stuff he was back then. And I mean, it seems perfect for test matches, but he's never quite bowled in a similar similar way. I believe we're going to see the young man on debut. He's going to open the bowling from the other end. Nathan Lyon from the from Canberra was it? He's been playing with the Comets. He's moved across to Adelaide this summer and has impressed obviously in the Futures League. So we'll wait and see how he fares in the big bash tonight but they're certainly not going to feed this opening pairing any pace to begin with some loopy off spin but it's turn there beautiful evening here in adelaide taking away smith straight back to nathan line he has his first big bash wicket i know that clark does rate spinners but um at times he seems to be using lion to speed up the overrate yeah they've always used spinners uh, well, at least in recent times, as defensive bowlers, uh, that's probably why. That's why off spinners have been always been preferred, and um, yeah, they they tend to bowl fairly straight. Uh, yeah, just not get carded pretty much. Yeah, that's the idea. Just to hold up an end because we've usually got stronger pace bowlers that can take the wickets to the other end. Well, when Lyon was bowling in the ashes, it was just kind of you go into the kitchen and you just hear, good work, Gaza! Every five seconds, and that was pretty much the over. Well, I think you probably would get more instruction to attack now, because we've got Siddle, who can not go for runs. We've got Paris, who can not go for runs. That is very good. The swing works. The Oracle again. We saw 
a bit of a different Watson in the Ashes, who is a very economical Watson. I mean, he's always been fairly economical, but he didn't take... He was always a bit of a breakthrough bowler rather than a, um, you know, the steady one-run-and-over kind of bowler. Yeah, they'd always bring him on as the golden arm and, and try and break a partnership when the opening bowlers couldn't couldn't break through. And, I mean, he's you've been using him a lot earlier, especially in this, this Ashes, um, just because he's, he's got the knack of being able to swing the ball both ways. And, I mean, that... that um, the Cook dismissal couldn't have played better to script. Yeah, it also helps Watson too because gets the new ball, gets a harder seam to work with, just nibble away a touch and just, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say because um, Watson did open the bowling, not open the bowling, but he shared the new ball once or twice um, from memory, which in the past wouldn't have really happened. I mean, they, they waited a very long time to bring Siddle on at some point. Back to wow. the, um, the one day is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we push too far ahead, um, it's seven one days, so they're probably likely to play around with with the squad or with the team a little bit. But I wonder. I mean, they're using Adam Voges a lot more as a bowler, uh, which which means his batting's almost become a bonus. But um, can you see them playing him as a frontline spinner now? Because it seems no reluctance. Uh, Clark's certainly not reluctant to bowl him at um, key moments in the match. I don't think he should. He, I don't think he's he's handy, but I don't think he's good enough to be a frontline spinner, especially in India where they're going to play him a lot better than than the English batsman. And if we need someone else, who should it be? Pretty much. Well, Burgess probably uses maybe maximum of probably five to maybe six overs in innings. Just get him to run through the overs, just keep the one right down and just get it. Rip some in, just adds a bit of variety and... And then get the handy caught and bold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. And the only one you could really do a same job, I guess, is well, Maxwell can bowl off spin and just do that. But Maxwell could probably could improve his spinning, just use it more attacking, get some more spin, get some more flight on it, but... I mean, he did all right in the test matches. I mean, everyone expected him to just get belted. I mean, he, he was expensive, I suppose, but... Took he, took, he took wickets, yeah. Yeah. I, um... Doherty, put it that way. I would say to your original question that I think the answer can pretty much definitively be no because you look at the fourth one day when Voges was, in fact, the only spinner in the side and, um... He didn't bowl and over. I mean, it was a seam, very seam-friendly pitch, but the English had nine overs of spin, eight from Treadwell and one from Root, and we had um, ten overs from our five seamers, and Voges didn't get anywhere near it. That was a fairly green track from memory. Um, it was seamy all over the place, so I'm yeah. not surprised they didn't use him in that, that particular match. And it, um, probably even though, even though we lost, so... <laughs> I was just more saying that um, the English uh, used... That was the match Treadwell took three for 53 on that pitch, and we didn't use Voges at all. So that, that's... I don't disagree with the decision. I would just say that um, in response to your question, I don't think we would use him because if there was any situation where he would have got to prove his sort of 
because he was the only spinner, really. I mean, uh, yeah, that was it, the fact he didn't bowl one over kind of speaks that he they wouldn't do that. To yeah, me, it probably but, also, yeah, it also probably highlights that. Well, we kind of missed Steve Smith in the one-day team because he can just chuck down a couple over the leggies too, and well, that's really well on one day. So yeah. Do you think they're trying to keep him as a pure test match batsman because we've got so few that, um, I mean, have the technique or, I mean, everyone seems to play as many forms, they all want to play as many forms as they can these days. So sort of how, how England have done it somewhat with, um, well, not necessarily England, but so some countries just have specific players for specific teams. I mean, our team, our one-day team is fairly different to our test team. I think he was injured, if I remember. Actually, he was. Yeah. Yeah. But he may not have played anyway. I think that's a... It's sort of a decent thing to bring up because a lot of... You know, you'd think Steve Smith would have been a fixture in the T20s and ODIs, but honestly, it seemed right not having him there after... His performance in the Ashes, it seems like they've got the right idea with him. And I think it is better that, you know, don't... There's no... I don't think Clark should be playing either, personally. Um, just because I think we have... You know, we England are sort of showing the way kind of thing. I mean, they lost the series, but it wasn't a bad loss, and they were playing a very second-string team. I just think with... Um, I mean, it's not about Clark. With uh, Clark, it's not about... Talent, of course, is about his back, but I think with Smith, then maybe it's better that he does just focus on test cricket. Yeah, because I also feel the same about David Warner, too, because he can do test matches, he can play 2020s, but one day is he just... Like, one day is just his worst format by far. It's just... It's a bizarre situation. I'm not yes. convinced he can do test matches, either. This Warner can't play one day for some reason. It's just... He gets, he, gets, he gets caught in two minds. He's sort of yeah. twenty twenty. You can just go all out test matches. You'd be a bit more reserved. One day he's like, well, there's enough time that you can be reserved, but he sort of wants to go for it. So he ends up just hitting straight on the air. I'm probably we're going to have three whole teams now. It's just, I was also disappointed that Sean Marsh failed because he's probably our most talented batsman by far, but he's just not all there mentally and physically. I don't think he's ever going to reach his potential. He's 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 past his best, I'd say. He's age-wise, he's he's definitely. I mean, he's destined to get injured again and and never play again. It's just, yeah, he's probably the biggest disappointment of Australian cricket in the past five years in terms of individual player. You could probably say it just sort I of think. came out of nowhere too because he completely fell to bits in that series where we just utterly annihilated India in Australia. Um, and that was when he completely fell to bits for mine because he was just making ducks left and right while everyone else was just feasting. Probably should have played Phil Hughes as a no for just a... Well, Warner's gone, just have some fun, I guess, just bat. I like, really, what? I liked him coming in, and I think he should play as an opener, yeah. I don't think you can... I mean... It was a poor dismissal, but I, yeah, I don't think you can judge it on uh, one game. He's been sitting, sitting on his hands for months and months now, and you can can't blame a little bit of rust. Uh, yeah. Jordan was a touch quicker than he sort of looked at first. 
Yeah, what did you guys think of uh, Jordan? Uh, well, he's Tino Best. It's Tino Best incarnate. Um, very, very similar action. Probably a touch slower and a touch less energy through the crease. Tino Best just about throws himself over. <laughs> um, I thought he was all right. He bowled, He didn't bowl. He didn't bowl too badly, but Three for I suppose he bowls the odd ten. He calls the odd four ball. That probably is his downfall at this stage. But um, he looks like he, he's got a bit of potential. And he bats. Yeah. Was he bat at nine? So he's obviously handy. Made 14 in, in the fifth one day. Yeah, and that yeah. was a tough situation just, too. Yeah, I think that was his first one day too. And well, this day he averages uh, 24 with economy rate of 5.47. So... Again, probably it's expensive, but... So, just, yeah, pretty much, like, yeah, Tino Best incarnate. Just to <laughs> talk about his opening partner, Boyd Rankin, the Irishman. I, I seriously think he's a big chance for the Australian Ashes. He he's bowling a lot. Impressive. He's bowling a lot better than when I last saw him when he was playing for Ireland and a bit of county cricket footage. He just his accuracy's improved a lot. He seems to be doing a little bit more off the pitch, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him ahead of um, Tremlett or or any of the others that are vying for that sort of reserve paceman spot. Again, better length. Is there an edge? You bet there is. Rankin then with his first. Australia lose their second, and it's Watson. Yeah, it's sort of Tremlett, Finn, Onions, and Finn's then. What I was it remains to be seen, I think, but it's definitely. I'd have him. A, I'd have him a Finn. Finn. Finn's just spraying them around too much at the moment. I don't think they can trust him to to bowl to a plan, and that's why I think he he was sort of moved out was... of the team fairly early on in the in the test series. Yeah, because he pretty much one spell. He pretty much nearly won us the game in the Trent Bridge test, and that built up. That's a fair while away. <laughs> After all this cricket, it's a fair while ago. Yeah. But um, I'm pretty sure they had the ascendancy, and he came on and just he just leaked runs. Yeah, Harden just out. went tonk, and he just had him for breakfast. <laughs> I don't think we would have got anywhere near as close if Finn wasn't playing, and they obviously identified that. And yeah, um, I'm trying to. I think Tremlett may be the one I'm thinking of, the uh, very tall bloke who's been injured a lot. Yeah, the one that Warney called Goomba or Goomba or something like that. <laughs> he doesn't look like the brightest character. No. Apparently he can put his fist in his whole mouth. That's what Warney said last Ashes series down under. I'm like... <laughs> bit of a weird guy, I'd say. Bolding! Good delivery, just came back... I know it's very tempting to talk about um, English players putting things in their mouths, but... um. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of the one day, um, just the fourth one. Um, yeah, it was just uh, very disappointing overall. And just to sum it up, um, we saw the bad Mitchell Johnson in that game. We saw the kind of performance you really don't want from him. Um, yeah. I mean, they they only had three balls left, so it wasn't like we got flogged or anything, but. You know, he bowls significantly worse than anyone else in that game. Just, but we saw from Mackay, he did the job, so... Probably our best one-day bowler we've had since Brett Lee. 
Johnson, I mean, it goes without saying. He, he bowl, he's been bowling a lot better than he has in the past. Just the pace that he's got up, that first one day that we got without rain, um, he just beat everyone for pace. Everyone, um, it was Trot, he, he was going first ball, and it, it might have been the next game where Peterson just tried to pull him, and which was not a great idea with him. Uh, getting up over much. 92 miles an hour, I believe. It's nice to see genuine express like pace. I mean, it's not always necessary, but it's good to see. When it works, it's beautiful. It's entertaining to watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't, often, you, don't often, you don't often see international batsmen really um, sort of hopping around and, and really testing their techniques because most of the time... The pitches are pretty flat these days, and um, they're still able to put away good balls. But just they just look so. <clears throat> they were making batsmen who who are quality batsmen um, look a bit out of sorts at times. I suppose he's got really. It's good for us to have a genuine quick like somebody can push it above like ninety miles an hour or one hundred and forty five k's. I mean, Brett Lee yeah. did it. And that was when, well, he was pretty much equal to McGuire in one day. It's just. Something I was going to ask was, um, I don't see a lot of uh, McKay myself, so it's it's odd though. He's sort of the like the opposite of. What Warner's problem is, he's sort of only good at one day. Um, I wasn't really impressed with him when I've seen him in 2020 games. And um, I don't know, do you think he's just mastered the format and he's happy in that role? And I have thought about this. It's, it's, a, it's a strange proposition to have a bowler who can't quite do it in the long form. And he probably, I mean, 2020, he, he'd probably be able to perform better than test matches, I don't think he's got the pace for test matches and as soon as you saw Peterson when he when he got his eye in he was able to pick him pick him up off a length without too much trouble, so I don't think test matches, unless it was a real a real green top, I, I can't see McKay pushing ahead of the others that are ahead of him in the queue but um, 2020s he's got a few few tricks with, with the back of the hand slow ball and mixing up his length, but yeah. I suppose one day has just suit him because because he can bowl that nagging line. Um, if he nibbles it around a little bit, he can just keep it tight. And then he has those variations towards the end if you need to bowl him to death. He's smart and simple, and I guess he's like the siddle of the one-day side, but um, he just does some amazing things. It's just... Um, I mean, he averages 22, which is just ridiculous, really. He was cricketer, yes. one-day cricketer of the year last season. Yeah. Strike, yeah. Rate of, strike rate of 29, so... Every five overs he gets a wicket. That's pretty good. Handy, really. It's um something that every team needs, and we're lucky to have him. And he's thirty, so you'd expect a few more years. He tends to be fairly reliable in terms of his body. Um, he played he played the one test against the West Indies four years ago at in Perth, and I almost wonder if he didn't play at the Wacker if it might have been better because um the expectations. Yeah, uh, you think fast bowler debuting at the Wacker, obviously something is going to happen, but it just didn't. Um, and also maybe, I don't think 
like we spoke about previously, I just um, certain bowlers don't hit the pitch hard enough, and he might not be one of those guys. He might be someone who would prosper more in um, Hobart or Brisbane. It's a bit like I think he's the sort of bowler where that that those sort of conditions don't suit him so much as like when Australia picked Trent Copeland for Sri Lanka, just because he's he's bowl, he's not going to bowl very quickly. He'll just bowl very accurate on a slow pitch. He'll be hard to force away. You'll have to you won't be able to just play him late behind the wicket. You'll have to hit down the ground. Um, I think yeah, he's not he's not a real bang it in type bowler. He's a yeah, crafty one, you could say. Yeah. Um, which is what... I like I like crafty bowlers. I mean, I like Faulkner a lot because he's crafty, even if he's a bit, probably lacks a yard of pace. Impressed with a shot. A couple of balls back. Oh, that's a total misjudgment there by Ian Bowl. The other person I wanted to talk about was George Bailey because he is now our highest-ranked one-day batsman in the world in terms of the rankings after this series. Which is, you know, a bit of a surprise considering all the crap people were giving him about being a specialist captain and so on. Well, I must admit, when I, before he made his way into the 2020 team and then eventually the one-day team, he was playing for the Melbourne Stars, and I think he was batting four or five. And I was starting to one because they have, they have a, an amazing squad. I was starting to wonder how is this guy because he seemed to be. He seemed to always bat a little bit slow for for 2020s. It's like, how is this guy still in the team? There's a few other guys that were missing out that seemed to, well, looked to be better for the format. And then he was all of a sudden 2020 captain. It just threw me away. I never thought he had that next gear, but particularly in these one days, some of the sh- uh, shots, just the cleanest strikes you'll see down the ground off, off decent deliveries. And I must admit, it still does shock me a bit, like, to see him come out and just absolutely smoke one after like one or two balls at the crease. He yeah, seems very adaptable. Which, which is good, which is what Michael Hussey did. Just Yeah. and That right situation, right pace. I can't see him being a test player, but for one day, then yeah. I'm yeah. He's averaging 46, so if you're getting over 40 in one day, you're doing pretty good. There was yeah. um, There's a bit of a debate going around where he's averaging a lot more in these one days than he does in domestic cricket and whether or not certain players um, sort of rise to the occasion when they get put higher up and whether or not his average in first class cricket truly reflects his ability so whether or not his first class average is about 38 or 39 and if he should be given a a crack in the test team regardless of that just because I mean, we've seen he can do it and he, has, he seems to have the temperament. He's, he's got us out of a lot of sticky situations. Um, well, the perfect example was the man you were just talking about, um, Michael Hossie, who um, averaged, averaged more in tests than he did in first-class cricket. Um, he still averaged bucket loads in first-class cricket. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, some I think he did take it to the next level when he got his chance at test cricket. And, you know, it's possible... Bailey could do that, um, and then, or he could uh, get bowled, you know, for four off twenty, and go out with this little wry smile that he has, and that'll be the end of his career. So you don't really know either way how it's going to go for him if he got a crack in the Test arena. And I'm personally not convinced, but it's sort of a now or never kind of deal. Yeah, it's pretty, you'd pretty much assume it is down between him or Adam Voges 
the number six or yeah. a batting spot. Or you could just actually leave the poor boy Hughes in there. <laughs> yeah, or yeah but, but actually have him open where he's, where he's naturally meant to bat. Stop yeah. moving him to a different spot. He still hasn't yeah. batting seven, eight or nine. I suppose they could give him a crack there. Yeah, because a lot of people are saying that. I mean, Clark obviously hasn't moved as much, but Clark's batted three, four, five, six, seven, eight across his career. And um, he hasn't done much besides at number five. Yeah, well, I think there was an interesting stat um, when he made his first time at number four that his highest average was at number seven because I think he played one game at number seven and hit like 78 or something. That was back when we had a dream, a dream team. Yeah, when yeah. we could he afford to, to have Clark to at seven as a spinner. Squeeze him in as a spinner, yeah. Win. Got him! Yes, he has! That's a big one! So Harbison's gone, Clark's done the damage, and it's eight for 210. Pressure, pressure, pressure. I know you're champing at the bit to talk about us, so but we'll move on from the one-day series to Zimbabwe's historic victory against Pakistan. Was there money on the table? Um, in terms of Pakistan? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. I, I don't... I just think they're shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was... Um, I think they have a lot of character. And um, I think certain teams just rise to the occasion and show... This is that this is the only test they're going to get to play. This was their last test for ten months, which is a long time, and um, yeah, it's just that they work extremely hard. The cricketers, um, and I really just think that they just wanted to say, you know, give a bit of a finger to the guys who left, or while they say they understand, it's got to hurt you having guys like Balance and Jarvis leaving. And also say to the rest of the world that, you know, we're still around kind of thing. Um, a good thing for them was that they're actually, after this series, they've finally played enough tests to be ranked, which means that they're actually not out of the rankings. They're, they're officially ninth now, so they're not the worst test team in the world anymore, or the unranked test team. It'd be Bangladesh now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, which is one you guys would probably know, is that Pakistan dropped from fourth to sixth, which means we moved above Pakistan, which they were above us, which was a little bit worrying. Yeah, when you're that low, it's really yeah. much of a muchness. But um, it's nice to see a few, yeah. few of their players, not necessarily in this match, but um, sort of in the past few years, um, reach their potential. I thought Vuzi Sabanda, he... He sort of looked a bit overawed in, I think it was a World Cup a couple of years back, but he's actually come out and made quite a few decent scores lately. Mazakadza's um, sort of added that extra string to his bow, adding just some part-time medium pace. and for, for, He doesn't tend to go for too many runs. And um, this Tendai Chitara, who seems to never go for any runs, and he, he'll pick up a few wickets. He got five in the second innings. Can you tell me much about him? Um, Chitara is one that I wanted to speak about because he is sort of um, the beneficiary, in a sense, of one of the beneficiaries of uh, Jarvis leaving because he basically fills that void. I mean, um, he hadn't really played. He played a couple tests. I mean, he's only 22, um, can't bat, and he's, 
you know, but um, he can bowl, obviously, which is what you need. Um, Made 21 in the first innings. Yeah. Um, yeah average, you. average is five, though. <laughs> well, I guess, actually, no. 20, 21 in Zimbabwe is a good effort. Yeah. A little bit mad. Would you think that, though, that with well, Zimbabwe and, say, Bangladesh, that they should play more test matches against each other and also maybe Ireland and... Well, all those other teams just to get some more test matches in them, then also play like probably at least at least two series every year against say the big test teams. Just yeah, I think well, in a perfect world, we would all be helping the teams out, but um, you know, the cricket's a business, of course, so it doesn't work like that. I mean, it's you know, it's uh, to paraphrase Brad Pitt, it's hard not to be romantic about cricket. It's frustrating, and Ireland should be a test team, and they should find a 12th, and there should be two divisions, and you should regularly play against your division. Um, but, you know, the money just wouldn't be there. I mean, it, it's a bad situation. Like I said, they've got five months before any international cricket, and that's a T20 series, and ten months before they have another test, and who knows where they'll be financially and with their board at that stage because this test series nearly didn't go ahead because of that. Um, so it's it's a fantastic win, but you can't get sort of lost in the romanticism of it because the truth is that they're still not really in a better situation. There's always the discussion. Um, whenever a, an associate team hasn't played one of the bigger nations for a while, uh, that it's there's no way they can develop or... You know, improve or, or ever reach that same level by just playing other minnows. But then whenever um, they come against one of the top-tier nations in a, in a World Cup match or, or just a one-off exhibition match and get absolutely smashed, then the same people come out and say, oh, it's a waste of time, they're never going to be up to this league, why do we even bother? Yeah, no, it, it's a fair point, but they do need that exposure. I mean... Oh, I think they do. I think they should. I, I enjoy watching them play. Yeah, me too. I, I think I admire the way they go about it, and, you know, they play a different sort of brand of cricket. It's very gritty. Um, as a of, because of lacking some talent, there's, there's often more emotion involved. They really put as much as they can into it. Yeah, and it's not about money either. It's There's not a heap of talent. There are There is some talent, but... The talented guys are usually a guy like um, Shigambura who just waste their talent. It's, like, it's inconsistent talent. Yeah, like Pakistan, really. I mean, they are a fairly similar team in some ways, like they're top, more top-end players. Um, apart from but Pakistan's just got all the money. It's just disorganised board, and this is the way that world cricket works. And um, hopefully we get into a thing. I think it's still just like ridiculous that Ireland isn't a test team. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're competitive in every single match they play these um, these days. It would also help Ireland too that the English don't steal their players because they can play their own thing while they can have their own... But that's why That's why they thing. keep leaving yeah. is because they're, they're not, they can't progress any further unless Ireland becomes a legitimate cricketing nation. And the problem is for that to happen is that England will have to put their hat in the ring and they don't want to do that while they're getting the Owen Morgans and the um, 
Ed Joyce's well, and so on. Well, it says a bit for England's domestic um, domestic circuit if if they have to keep poaching players from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it does say a lot. I mean, you could probably get a special guest on here, someone who could just rant and rave about that for half an hour. Um, but yeah, I think we all know that the English uh, don't really care where they get their players from as long as they're playing for England. You know, put that in quotes. They're not really... They're playing for England, but they're not playing for England, if you get what I mean. Yeah. But the thing is, yeah, that's that's the thing. I can't see that happening with both England not wanting Ireland to have a test team, or not so much not wanting it, but not, you know, forcing themselves to sort of do it. They they sort of they're happier not doing it, and also the BCCI because then there's the whole voting thing where the um, votes will be tipped against them because the subcontinent will be outnumbered, kind of thing. Is there much local support in Ireland for cricket? There is a huge amount, actually. They um, they love it when England come over, just so they can absolutely give it to them and the players that leave. Um, it's a lot like the Irish love their sport, um, as you'd probably know. I mean, they're a bit like us, except there's not as much money in it. I mean, you just have to look at Gaelic football, where they, you know, work full time jobs, but they still get gigantic crowds. Yeah, there's um. I mean, I think if they had a test side, there would definitely be enough support there. I mean, there's more people in Ireland than there is in uh, New Zealand. Um, so, I, yeah, I think there's probably realistically just as much talent. If you imagine an Ireland side of their recent um, one-day side and you add in Joyce and Rankin and Morgan, then, you know, that's a... Not an amazing test side, but it's definitely reasonable. I think they could take it up to certain teams. Oh, that's a big hit. And it will land safely. Strike. Hit straight back. Long on is just a spectator. Chipped away on the onside. The call is still. He should get there. This is the fastest hundred in World Cup history. Six fastest overall. There's also other news too from the ICC. It's just the DRS, you'll get extra reviews after every eight innings. So you get well, they get reset after after every well, they popped up by two after eighty overs. Oh really? Is so that, yeah, is that officially come through? Has it? Yeah, it's just having to be trialed from the first of October, so it'll probably be in the ashes. I think uh, they for DRS probably the one that they could change is umpire's call. Um, not losing your review if if it's, it's solely umpire's call, yeah. Yeah, because think, yeah. there's not enough out there to say that, oh, you just wasted everyone's time. Yeah. I'm sure Shane Watson will be having a little party. Um, <laughs> he just needs to bat out 80 overs and then have another oh, yeah, crack at it. I suppose that's his problem in the first place. Well, so the Ashes will be ours then. They'll just waste two reviews, bat 80 overs, get more reviews. Yeah, just bring um, Ed Cowan back in and just tell him not to score runs. Just sit there. Oh, he'll have no problem about not scoring runs. <laughs> but the getting out part, yeah, is still quite difficult. I, I can't see him coming back into the side. No, it's just... Well, we'll probably have the top three set. Warner, Rogers, 
And he's not going to get anywhere else. I mean, the only slim chance is when if Rogers doesn't last too long, and then he comes back into open to fill a similar role. Obviously, he's not as good as Rogers, but I don't see it back in the team anywhere. There's the question yeah. that is sort of going in my mind: if uh, Rogers will perform as well in Australian conditions? I mean, you'd think yes, but I mean, he does seem to rack up bigger scores more regularly in county cricket. Well, they have they have talked about the last few years that um, the batsmen, the averages overall for batsmen in Australia have been lower because of the pitches that have been prepared have tend to, tended to lean towards bowler-friendly. Yeah. And just getting a result, yeah. Pretty much the average over 50 was Ponting, was a Ponting Hussey, I think Phil Hughes and... Phil Hughes will just... We'll probably bat him at number 11 if he plays next because we just don't know what to do with him. You can't put him back... To, the problem... He's a big problem yeah. because you can't really put him back to first-class cricket and say, make more runs because he's made as many as you could possibly make at that age. He's made 20-odd hundreds. He's... Yeah. I mean, he's either going to... You either... I suppose you have to either put him somewhere and stick him there and, and give him a time time limit or you just... Yeah. No more, I guess. Then again, well, Matthew um, Hayden wasn't wasn't as good as him when he was twenty four. So he has time on his side, which is a lot more than you can say about some of the other batsmen we have. So yeah, I'll go in and um say what uh, Western Royboy would say if he was doing the podcast. Um, would be that very he likes to say that very very few batsmen get that uh, fourth chance after they've been dropped. Um. He sort of he says that a lot on the forum, and it's quite true if you look in history um, of the Australian batsmen. If you get dropped out of the team three times, that tends to be it. Um, and I'm not just talking about drop for a game; I'm talking an extended period kind of thing, which I would say Hughes has been really. Still, he's he's not even fast. He's not even 25 yet. So, well, they've got to make the decision. To put him in the side and leave him there, or put him in shield cricket for two years and let him get his mental confidence back and give him another crack. Either way, they're going to have to, at some point, play him for a long period of time and just see if he can do it. And I think he can. I'm, I am baffled, as a lot of people are, really. You don't score 200s against Dale Steyn and Curl. You don't have any talent. Yeah. And they seem to just pick these little flaws which every batsman have and focus on them. And, um, you know, it's like every, you know, even the best batsmen have uh, things they're susceptible to, you know, um, the moving ball, the short ball. There's plenty of batsmen who are susceptible to things like that. And it just seems silly if you have a talent like Hughes. He's going to get out that way sometimes, um, but you can't just drop him for getting out with something he's flawed with. Yeah, it's just... We just I mean, hope you, that he'll get right. Well, yeah, you just, you back him in and you say, you say, well, this, he'll, he'll be annoyed enough with it that he'll, you know, fix it. Um, and he'll work on it. We don't, and, but dropping him isn't going to help him at all. It's just going to make him think that get back in there and freak out because he just doesn't want to get dropped again. 
Well, I think he's one of our most experienced young batters too. He's already played 101 first class games. Yeah, that's average of 45. Everything on paper is pretty much perfect. We're screaming out for a batsman, and he's sitting on the sidelines or carrying the drinks. It's just one you end up with too many openers that you've got to put them yeah. somewhere else, and yeah, it just doesn't suit their game. I'd probably I guess, just, or... I'd probably use him, maybe get him, just go to shield and county cricket down the pile and runs. You're going to replace Chris Rogers if you're in form. That yeah, that's that's kind of the idea that I think um, sort of kind of what I was alluding to before. Um, just maybe just put him back in for a couple of years, let him get totally back up to peak mental confidence then somebody's going to go down or somebody's going to drop off and form or someone's going to have to retire. Like you said, Rogers obviously isn't... I mean, he could bat till he's 40 with the way our team is, but, you know, most likely not. Um, and then, yeah, you just put him back in. Um, but they have to make a decision. And I think they have to tell him. They can't have him floating around the team. And, you know, he's too good to be carrying the drinks. He should be going yeah. and playing his craft in one way or another. Then also we have, well, I suppose in this next series, we, we're all pretty much agreed that Steve Smith has to bat at six because he's a pretty much a good player of spin as we have. Yeah. So, um, so basically we're trying to either fill four or five. Yeah. Um, I think Clark, Clark should probably go at four and just... Whoever's the best all-round batsman in terms of, like, aggressive and... Well, because progressiveness, defense, pace, and spin playing, he should probably be picked. And I reckon you could give Voges a go, see how it goes. Yeah, but that's um, I mean um, I'll just open the floor, I guess. I mean, who would you guys put in? Uh, if you had number five, the Ashes was tomorrow. Let's uh, we've got a couple rounds of Shield before then, and Australian A game. But um, let's say there's not them, and you've Got to pick a number five. Who would you pick? I wouldn't play Hughes. I I want Hughes in the team, but I want him in the top three or opening. Yeah. Kowalja, probably not. Not at five, I don't think. David Hussey's gone too old. So. I'd go Bailey. I'd go Rogers, Hughes, Watson, Bailey, Clark, Smith as the top six. I think if I had Bailey, I'd play Smith at five and Bailey at six. Just seems better in my head. Well, I don't I've know got, why. I've got Clark at five. Oh yeah. So well, I, I, Smith I prefer four. Clark at five as well, but everybody seems to want him at four, and he seems to have decided he'll play at four. It, it shouldn't really by that stage. Four, five, six. It's just a mental thing. I mean, there's yeah. not really a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing is that Smith bats at four for New South Wales. Um, so we're, we actually use him a little bit differently in the test side because he pretty much doesn't bowl at all for New South Wales. Uh, he, yeah, that's recently. Oh, he was he was bowling off his last uh, last season. Steve Smith. Yeah, occasionally he completely oh, when he completely that. lost faith in his leg spinners. That's that's it's pretty interesting actually because I wonder if he had just um, a little voice in his ear because. I don't know, maybe Clark sort of encourages him to keep up the leg spin or well, when it's he's a bit like It's a bit like Voges. I can't even I can't remember him bowling for WA for years. I mean, he used to be fairly regular, but he sort of put it away and 
just focused on his batting, which probably came back into the Australian team. But now you sort of need to have multiple skills. Well, they kind of want you to have multiple skills if you're if you're capable in the Australian team, especially in a one-day team. Well, yeah, I think, well, there it is. We've worked it out. Just um, Phil Hughes this summer just needs to work on his offspin. Yeah. <laughs> or his wicket-keeping, as some people seem yeah. keen on. If we're going down Phil Hughes' work on wicket-keeping, then we'll get Matthew Wade to work on his bowling. Yeah. Well, you know, it could work. I um, it couldn't be any worse wicket-keeping than Wade. I was so angry watching Wade's wicket-keeping. Um, might have been that I just had a crap... Uh, scratch match at cricket training, but um, missed the straight one. No, I, I bowl leggies and um. Oh yeah, me too. It, yeah, yeah, I'd, I, yeah. Okay, I know you don't have to say anymore. One of those days. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but anyway, I was not in a good mood when I got home, and that Wade just um gave him a chance at number four to make some runs. Got out. It was golden duck, wasn't it? Was it? I mean, it was an unlucky dismissal. It was sort of just a natural hook. You see it short, yeah. he went for it, he got a bit big on him, he gloved it. It's not the worst dismissal, he, he hasn't tried to hit one for six first ball. No, no, I, yeah, I do understand. I mean, there are dismissals like that, it's just on top of, um, you know, when you sort of look at the wicket-keeping effort that came after that, he didn't exactly redeem himself. No, it's the sort of thing that always happens when you're out of form. Your luck's not with, doesn't doesn't follow you. You just have a shockers. Just he probably needs to just again just get some form, get some confidence. Do you guys think he could be a wicket keeper in the future, or do you think he should give it up? I well, should probably stick at the wicket keeping. I mean, Rod Marsh was regarded as iron gloves, wasn't he? Yeah, Rod Marsh is the classic example, but I just wonder if Wade might gain more if he just full on, fully focused on his batting. And um, but then again, is I he going to make the team as a specialist batsman? I'm not sure he would. Um, yeah, I guess it depends how others come on as well. But uh, I guess the idea is that if he focuses fully on his batting, then he would get better at it, but I suppose that's not really how it works because you have different sessions and so on. The problem is that I look at our crop of young keepers and I really like um, Sam Whiteman and um, uh, I used to, one of my friends used to play with uh, Ludman at Carlton and I quite like him and my mate just doesn't shut up about him. Um, But Ludman's 26, Whiteman's only played a couple first class games the other blokes are a bit older and, you know, there's not really a lot there. Neville guy, Peter Neville? There's Neville Neville and Hartley, but I think they've already in that position where it's a foregone conclusion that they're never going to play for Australia. Kind of like Steve O'Keefe. Payne, his hand was just stuffed, so... I think Payne's keeping fine. It's just, um... Not batting well at all. Up here. It's going to be the star attraction right here in Perth for the Warriors this summer. Once again, Chris Gale is going to open the bowling against Tim Payne. We will try to wrap it up. Um, the last question I really want to ask you guys was um, just in preparation for the Ashes. Uh, our Australia A team, would you play a young team or would you play pretty much our best side against the Lions? I would pick the fringe players 
who might need a bit of a might need a bit of a kick, say Hughes, Wade, and so on. Yeah, Hughes, Wade, Kawaja, just. I'll also pick some young players too, just a couple of them. Say I think it was a Joe Silk. I would pick him, bat him at six, just say. Jordan, Jordan Silk. Uh, Jordan yeah. Silk, yeah. Yeah. Bowlers. Oh. I would um I would like to see very biased, but I'd like to see Coulson Isle get a go on the longer forms because that's really where he plays better. Yeah, Coulson Isle probably could have a go. Just Hazelwood maybe, or else would there be? Uh, millions of them. Uh, I mean um yeah, and then the Sandu. Oh yeah, it'll be a pretty it'll be a pretty typical. A team, I guess. It'll be fringe players with a mixture of potential up-and-comers. You'll probably see Maddinson and Silk, as um, Cookson mentioned, and then a few of the bowlers that might be in contention. I don't think you'll see too many surprises. 